Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Empire Life podcast. I'm Allison Ramsey, your host, the founder of Empire Life, and we are a coaching and business mentoring company where we guide female founders to scaling their online empires. And today I'm with Amber Roman Yak, and she is a emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert. And I'll hand it over to her to intro herself a little bit more. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And we're going to, I am so excited for our conversation today. I have had my business now for eight and a half years, coaching women all over the world who have been struggling with emotional eating, binge eating, food addiction, and then all the digestive and hormone imbalances that come along with that skin issues, bloating, you know, irregular cycles, weight gain. And then that leads to the, you know, insecurities, the unworthiness, the negative self-talk, which then funnels and fuels the self-sabotage. And so I went through my own struggles with food addiction and binge eating and um, restriction and pretty much like diet addiction, food addiction, exercise addiction, because I didn't feel good enough in my body. And um, it got really bad for a while. Like I, when I put in my bio, like that, I gained and lost over a thousand pounds in five years, you know, binge eating and gaining 30, 40 pounds every other month and then restricting and losing it again. It was just such a cycle of back and forth. And in the interim, you know, I just completely threw my hormones and digestive system out of whack, felt so physically unwell. And this is my early twenties and my cortisol was like five times higher than it should have been. I had the worst hormone picture that I've yet to see in my like eight years of working with clients. So it just kind of, you know, went to show how extreme I was treating my body and how much my health was declining in a short period of time through going through this, like such negative unworthiness and be, being so obsessed with looking a certain way. And I know so many women struggle with, it and there's so many layers that fuel this. Um, but for me, it needed to happen so that I could really build a mindful relationship with food, uncover that I was struggling with binge eating and a food addiction, understand I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't know how to cope with stress, was afraid to feel my emotions, right? I did. I had no clue about my body, no awareness about anything, digestion, hormones, why I had symptoms that what I ate was impacting my mental health. I just didn't know anything. So it allowed me to go on this massive transformational holistic journey to heal these things um, and, and it opened up like my spiritual journey and intuition. And then I was just really inspired thinking if, if I struggled with this, how many other women are struggling? And that's really what brought me down this path, I guess you could say to start assisting others, because I think things like emotional eating are normalized and, and they shouldn't be and, and PMS and symptoms are normalized and they shouldn't be. And, and when we can learn how to listen to our bodies and have awareness, it just changes everything. It does change everything. And like what you said, I that you were wondering, I wonder how many women, other women are going through this. I found every client that I've worked with supported one-on-one and myself personally, we have, we're all going through it at some level mm-hmm. on some scale. We're learning about our bodies, trying to optimize the the best times that we feel more alert and do our schedules around that or look at how the cycle syncing and looking at our cycles are, are first of all even knowing I feel I have an allergy to birth control which I've talked about a lot openly and I had all kinds of symptoms with weight gain and uh, pal-ups 
in my breast, what else? Moodiness, uh, it, feeling unstable emotionally. And so that wasn't really ever an option for me. And I learned that in my late teens, mm-hmm. or at a, maybe 20 and 21. And then after that, I haven't really been able to take it. So it's like, I started looking around and reading books and aiming to figure out, well, what do people do if they can't take that? And there wasn't the, those apps at that time to go on my phone. Now I have an app on my phone that keeps track of all of the other years. That, and, and it's really cool to be able to see the average. But if we didn't have that, or if you don't have that right now, I used to keep track of it on my notebook and look back and understand, oh, that month I would like calculate, you know, what, what was the time that I had, how many days did I have my period? What, how many days was my actual window or my cycle total? And was that the same as last month? Was it because, what was it because of, if it was different, did I have more stress or was I traveling? If we switch time zones, that might affect it because I was traveling a lot at that time mm-hmm. for work and pleasure. And I feel it gave me a sense of more confidence and understanding my, like you were saying, my intuition and giving myself grace, like we were talking about in the green room. And what other kind of challenges in that situation do you feel like you really needed to overcome? And how did those benefit you and becoming a lot stronger of the person that you are now? Yeah. Oh my gosh. There was so much. I think one of the biggest things was dealing with my ego and realizing I had this ego, this negative voice in my head that thrived off of my suffering. And we're all conditioned that our ego leads the way until we learn about it. it's the shadow work. It's the, you know, the unworthiness and, and that voice and learning about it and learning that when I was struggling and I was hard on myself and I was a negative self-talk and I was, you know, punishing myself with food or exercise, my, I wasn't in power. My ego was, and I thought it was all about having control, but it's not about having control of food or your body. It's about being in your power. And the difference is, is that when you need control, if you're coming from fear, insecurity, unworthiness, and you're probably out of control versus power comes from love and trust and confidence and curiosity and openness. And so learning the differences between control and power were massive for me because I realized I was just trying to have such extreme control over my body and my weight because I didn't feel good enough. And when I really realized that Cause I was like, why do I feel this way? Why do so many women feel unworthy? Why is it that 90% of the female population is struggling with body image issues, body dysmorphia, some kind of unhealthy relationship with food. And I think another massive breakthrough that happened, um, when I started to realize I was struggling with binge eating was starting to look at the food that I was consuming and the ingredients in food and going okay, like if, if refined sugar is 10 times more addictive than cocaine, if aspartame causes neurological damage, why are these ingredients put into products? Why is MSG legal? Why is aspartame legal? Mm -hmm. And starting to learn about the corruption in the food industry and the pharma and how they're in bed together and how they feed off of each other. And they want us sick because they make money off of us. Um, and that we don't get the education, like a real good education on nutrition and like how to fuel our bodies. And 
and that the system is not, is like a more of a sick care than a healthcare system. It like blew my mind and it made me really angry at first. Cause I thought like, how is this even possible? Cause you grow up and as a child, you get manipulated from watching the television, right. And your parents habits. And then you're like, you become like a lifetime customer to the system of these same 10 big food companies that rule everything that don't care about any of us. And you know, you, you just become a lifetime customer and, and going through the food addiction started to allow me to dig into the ingredients and the, the massive physical, mental, emotional impacts that they were having on me and having on my clients. And that was very liberating because it really taught me how to take my power back with food, how to really get in the kitchen and start using alternative ingredients, learning about food sensitivities, how it was all impacting my gut health, my hormone health, my mood. Um, and that really helped me to I just, I don't eat refined food. Like it's very rare because number one, I don't, I vote with my money and I'm not going to vote and support a big company that doesn't care about humanity's health and well-being. And number two, I, you know, you find alternatives, whether it's a locally made product or a recipe that you can do yourself. And to me, investing in my health is one of the most important things. And I I'll, I'd rather spend a bit more money. So that was a huge part that was very liberating. And then I think, um, the other thing was realizing, that I was never taught how to feel my emotions or express myself all growing up. I was always just taught like, don't cry. Like just everything's okay. You're good. You're strong. You're tough. And I think being a woman, that's one of the most disempowering things to continue to be told because well, in all human beings, we have emotions, mm-hmm. right? We have feelings and to be told or judged as weak for expressing that, like it, it de- denies us of this feminine that we are and that we have, Um, and so just feeling like you've to shove down your emotions with food or alcohol or smoking or mindless shopping or whatever the self-sabotaging behavior is, instead of feeling, it really causes a lot of physical imbalance as well, because if you have all these stuck emotions in your body, right? Like Louise L. Hay was one of the first books that I read that was just, you can heal your life. And she talked about how your cells listen to your thoughts and we suppress our emotions and then it causes dis-ease or like symptoms. And it just started to blow my mind, like the mind body connection, um, and the spiritual aspect of it all too. But to me, that was just such a huge part was starting to allow myself to feel my emotions and express my emotions and see that by doing so, like the world didn't like explode, nothing bad happened. Like I can sit and cry or be angry. And then I can use EFT tapping, meditation, deep breathing, journaling, nature, like, you know, frequency, sound frequencies to like, help me process my emotions and ground and take my power back. And I think that that was just huge because I didn't know how to manage stress before. And I was just like anxiety all the time. And like being 2021 and having that, it just was like, it was hard. And you think, well, I'm so young. Why am I struggling with this? So it was just liberating to learn how to become in tune with my body and to become so aware that I could tell when my adrenal glands were off. I could tell if my cycle was going to be off. I could tell why my digestive system was impacted. I could tell if there was some hidden garbage ingredient in food because my body would tell me right away. And so to heal to the point to have that level of in tuneness and awareness has just been such a gift for me to have myself and then help teach to the women that I work with too. So I think those would be some of the other really big breakthroughs. Those are huge breakthroughs. I completely agree with you. And I myself have 
had a lot of intuition with eating, even since I was little that, well, first of all, I wanted to say it sounded like just like myself, that's all my parents knew. Yeah. That they, they knew Western medicine. And if I had a cough or my brother did, they took us to the doctor and then it's like, okay, well, which medicine do we go pick up at the pharmacy? And then, yeah. So innocent. So innocent. And I have no resentment on that. Is that no. as a kid, I had a lot of sense food sensitivities. Even as a baby, my mom was nursing and she couldn't eat certain things because they kept having projectile vomiting. Mm. And she still she thought I was like colicky or something was right. wrong with me that the doctor said. And she should still be able to eat everything she said that she started to understand, oh, it must be something I'm eating because she keeps having these reactions and all she's eating is nursing or I'm I'm nursing her. And she looked at different, different food areas and tried some things, but it's still, she thought I just kind of outgrew it. And then as I got older, I had a lot of, I just didn't like certain foods. Mm-hmm. And I feel that might be also an indication to those of you watching, if you don't know what you're sensitive to, it might be something that you've always thought, why don't I like that? I should yeah. like that because as a kid, anything with wheat or gluten made me feel like crap yeah. after eating it, like, which is almost all of American foods that we eat in the morning. And my mom would say, here's a bagel with cream cheese, which if you have a dairy sensitivity, I think I have just a little bit of one. I have a a more mild to severe gluten allergy and sensitivity. And I like, I don't really, I don't want to eat in the morning. All right. I just don't, I can't because I don't want to feel like crap. And, or she would give me a waffle and then I would eat the fruit off of the waffle and I would get in trouble. Like, I don't want to feel bad. It makes my stomach hurt. Mm -hmm. And coming into accepting those things about ourselves. And I'm really proud of you that I've seen a lot of clients or family members who have experienced extreme anxiety and it doesn't, it doesn't subside in their thirties and their forties and their fifties and they're on a track to continue on taking the anxiety, anxiety medication, Mm -hmm. which has a lot of side effects. And and I've seen a few family members where it seemed to affect their memory and it made them feel really fuzzy brained and they were getting really frustrated with themselves about that. And, and then also they had a hard time sleeping later in the night and they needed to take ambient or sleeping medication and it's so normalized that we even hear it on tv shows of oh you need your your zanny or mm-hmm. it's just i liked when i saw on your instagram post that feeling bloated and tired is not normal mm-hmm. but <laughs> there's many things that we can dive deeper into that are a little too normalized and things that are really going to be healthy for us are a little too ostracized or we're told, Oh, that's kind of weird. Mm -hmm. And whereas my mom, when later, when I was a little older, like maybe between, 
five and 10 that I started rebelling a lot and not taking the medicine somehow or throwing it up or it was always some complication with me with the medicine that the doctor would give her. And I talked about that in my, in my chapter, in my book too. And I would like literally run screaming from her all like bloody murder, like bloody hell was breaking loose in the house because I didn't want to feel bad. Yeah. Cause like, I'm either going to throw this up. I'm not going to be able to sleep. It's going to make me feel hyper. It made me feel out of control too, mm-hmm. a lot of times. And I like, I always have had that in my personality and she would take me to the doctor and say, no, she's allergic to that one. No, she can't take that one either. And he's like, I don't know what to tell you, I guess Tylenol or something. So even it, she needed to explore eventually some more healthier alternatives. But as I got older, I started reading every book I could about herbal medicine and homeopathic medicine and getting extremely into, I was a vegetarian for almost 10 years and I'm not no longer a vegetarian, but I don't eat, still don't eat very much meat. But I was, I felt like I was somewhat uh, thrust into that path that I didn't really have a choice. All these Mm -hmm. things were, I I have a hypersensitivity, like you said, to MSG. If I eat Mm -hmm. MSG, I can't sleep. Like I, I, I get like wired and it makes you really thirsty. I feel just completely off. How does it affect you? You eat it. Yeah. I get brain fog really bad, a stuffy nose. And when I struggle with binge eating, it would trigger me to want to binge because it increases your appetite level. Now I don't feel that mind you. I don't even know the last time I would have by accidentally had MSG, but like these ingredients are literally made in a lab by people who are told you need to test this ingredient and you need to make it. So it gives the perfect dopamine response Mm -hmm. in the brain chemistry. Like that's what it's for. It's, it's not to support your health in any way. It's, it's to get you addicted to food. It's to throw your blood sugar off. It's to impact your mental health. It's to shut you down. And then you don't know what it is. And then they're telling you, well, it's not that MSG MSG doesn't do that. That's like, whoever wrote that study must not know what they're talking about. Like you said, people are weird and it's like, well, no, like I know my body. I know how to listen to my body. I feel great until I consume certain ingredients. I'm pretty hundred percent sure <laughs> it's the ingredient, right. That's impacting all of these aspects. Um, but it's, it's just, people need to wake up to it and, and learn how to take their power back. Uh, learn how to use discernment and read labels and and not trust all these big companies. Like if that's another huge thing that I learned, it's like, don't trust all these big companies in the shiny marketing because the millions and billions of dollars that they're putting into their marketing and putting a leaf on the package to make you think that it's healthy and natural, right? Like there's so much deception. And so I just think we're in such an era of learning discernment and learning how to take your power back and to really like educate yourself so that you can vote with your dollars and support companies that care and are like legitimate and are not, you know, just trying to make a bunch of money and capitalize off of us. For sure. I, I agree with you about the part in people are starting to wake up or there's some people refer to it like as a spiritual awakening. Right. And it is, it takes a lot of patience. If someone is not there yet, (laughs) we can be patient with them. (laughs) Yes. I 
I agree with you also about educating ourselves and understanding more so the ingredients because I've had it happen a million times too where I'm at the grocery store. For example, we avoid fluoride in, yeah, in our home. Too. And I have, do you have kids too? Do you have no, a kid? I, I have one child and she's a teenager now. But when, even when she was a baby, I would read ingredients with her and have her participate in grocery shopping. Mm. And there's a funny story about that. that I put something in the cart and I was reading off the ingredients. She was about two and a half. Maybe she had just recently started talking. But this is like two years of me saying ingredients. I would just say them out loud. Okay, that has high fructose corn syrup. We're not getting that. Okay, Mm. that has you know, parabens in it. We're not getting that. <laughs> and I put something in the cart and she picked it up. She's like, mom, high fructose, high fructose. It's no, no, like, no. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I didn't see that. Yeah. But she was already starting to be able to read a little bit. Also really, she was in a school that would work with them no matter what age. And somehow she was able to to read it and I still like just baffled and she handed it back to me I was like oh dang this really works <laughs> she's <laughs> listening yes and so many times I've seen on toothpaste that say, says it's natural and it still has fluoride or I've accidentally bought one that has fluoride and and then and especially when my daughter was little and I would take her to the pediatric dentist it was Oh, they made me feel like I was so crazy Yeah, saying to them, I, you know what, what really worked is just saying she's allergic to fluoride. That's what works that I, that I say now, but I used to say, no, we don't want that. And I would try to be really polite about it. And they, a few times would still try to use it. Yeah. And I'd be sitting right there and they would start using it. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, I, I said that we don't want that. And they're like, well, why not? And like mm-hmm. giving this huge, huge hard time about it. So after that, I just started saying, you know, we're, we're allergic to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then, sometimes you have to. Mm-hmm, to get that kind of respect. Like, I don't need to have a conversation with you about this. If yeah. I choose that our family doesn't want to do it, it doesn't need to be a long drawn out in, in my mind to take the time, it feels really disrespectful. And I feel like they're trying to make me seem crazy. Like I've had dentists even tell me, you're the only one that's ever said this to us. You're the only parent that's ever said they they don't want this treatment. Like, okay, well, that's That's fine. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I still, I still don't want it, please. (laughs) Yeah. So with all of this said, when this comes up for you with your clients or with probably not with your clients that you work with, but maybe before someone becomes your client, do you see any kind of resistance or negativity that, that there are pushback that you might be having with them and their awakening or like being able to handle the, the kind of things that you're saying and accept this about themselves and I feel also there's a forgiveness to, to what we're talking about. There's a lot of, of self-forgiveness that I just didn't know. I just didn't know. Like I, I knew what I knew and my mom knew what she knew and she did the absolute best that she could and listening to her elders and they knew what they knew. What, what, Mm -hmm. how do you handle that when, 
that comes up with your community or with mm. your clients? Yeah. So I think with clients, like most of the women who come to me are so ready and so open that there's not really resistance. Um, I feel like the longer I've had my business, the easier it is to attract that aligned person. Who's just so open. I think one time, a couple of years ago, I had one client and, you know, she was drinking Starbucks like multiple times a day, every day. And I was trying to educate her on how they spray the beans with pesticides and all the aspartame and all the junk that they put in the stuff and that she could make her own or go somewhere else and get like a better quality. And that I thought it was really like fueling her migraines and impacting her gut health and everything like that. And she, um, didn't believe me and didn't want that. So we completed working together because I'm just like, okay, well, I can't help you if you don't want to help yourself and you're not open to looking at ingredients and understanding that these ingredients are really having a negative impact. Like they really are, but you can only, you can't drag a horse to water, right? Like a dead horse to water. They've got to want it, want it for, for themselves. But that's the only circumstance I ever had. Otherwise people are very open because the more I educate them and help them understand the impacts and then they reduce consumption of something and bring in a better quality ingredient and then they have more of the poor ingredients again, they see firsthand, this is making me feel bloated. This is giving me brain fog. This is fueling my cravings. This is making me want to binge, right? So it's, it's them building the awareness and seeing the difference that helps resolve any resistance there with community. Um, I found when I first started changing the way that I ate and going out with friends, I wouldn't drink or I wouldn't eat certain things, but people were like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with that? It's tolerable and and acceptable that when someone wants to treat their body well, everyone else is going, what's wrong with you? Why are you wanting to be healthy? To me, that's the problem in society is everyone will enable everyone to completely get wasted and and drunk and drink and, and then eat the crappy food. And that's encouraged. But when it comes to the, no, thank you, I'm good. I'm just going to have water or no, thank you. I don't want the fast food then it's like you're judged or you're criticized or it's like you're going against the grain. And I didn't care because I'm like, I don't want that. I don't want to put that in my body. I don't feel like eating that. I don't want to hang over tomorrow. Like I was happy with my decision and I never gave into peer pressure, but it was surprising to me that or the like response that I would get from other people. And so part of it was a lot of my friends that I had then are not friends anymore because it just saw like, as I went on my healing journey, like they weren't on the same page and that's fine. Nothing wrong with them. But I wanted to have people in my life who were also interested in healing and, you know, wanted to treat their bodies better and have respect and love. And um, so that definitely was a big change. And then definitely, you know, going through healing certain health issues. And I remember discovering I had candida and I told my doctor, my doctor's like, that doesn't, that's, that's just like, doesn't exist. That's just not even a thing. Right. Like, and getting that response and going like, okay, well, that's fine. But um, I know I have this, I have all the symptoms I'm starting to deal with it and I'm feeling better. So like, I'm going to trust myself. But when you constantly are getting those responses from like the person you're supposed to go and see, that's supposed to be able to help you with your health and they're criticizing you or they're judging you, or they're not giving you what you need. Uh, you know, I, that's when I really realized how much it was important for me to take responsibility and like figure it out and find people who could help me who would support me and champion me and not put me down or judge me because a number one, they didn't know how to deal with what I was dealing with. So it was triggering their insecurities or B let's face it. 
through the system. There's, there's good doctors, there's good nurses. There's like amazing people in Western medicine, but the system was created not for prevention. It's, it's not a preventative system. So I believe they know what candida is, but they don't want to help people heal from it because they know if people heal from candida, they're going to have less inflammation. They're going to have a stronger immune system. They're going to have less hormone issues and they're going to be less susceptible to autoimmune disease. Right. That's just my opinion, but I've gathered enough information and the amount of antibiotics that are handed out like candy, Mm -hmm. like it just, you, you start connecting the dots, right. You start connecting the dots and then you realize like, I want people who are going to support me and help me deal with these things and, and not judge me. And, and that's possible. And you're seeing more of that every day. And I do feel like slowly we're going to see the systems transform into a much more like proactive, holistic system where every healthcare person works together to help heal each person. Um, but those are some of the experiences that I had and all they did was motivate me to want to find the answers even more and heal on a deeper level. Like it didn't disempower me. I was just like, okay, just more proof that like, it's my responsibility. Right. That's right. It can feel for some parent as a parent to advocating for your child, advocating for yourself. It can, it can start to feel like you're rocking the boat. I've, I've had clients tell me before, I feel like I'm rocking the boat. Mm-hmm. Though we're talking about the business, I do business coaching and mentoring. A lot of times uh, intuitive eating comes up and mm-hmm. their health, their diet, their workout plans, nutrition, if they're going to vaccinate their kids or not, all the, all the, all the things that are also, then they bleed into our business and yeah. personal boundaries, self-confidence issues, worthiness, they affect how successful we're actually going to be in our businesses too. Mm-hmm. So a lot of those, those topics come up. <clears throat> and I know one time my daughter was having some growing pains and like you said, there's some great doctors mm-hmm. and big time. I do feel that in the medical profession, they need to be able to say, I just don't know. I don't yeah. know. And you know what? There's this other person they may know, but I don't know about that. And unfortunately, that's a very difficult thing for them to admit or to say that I've seen quite a, quite a lot in the medical profession. And I said to the lady, or actually she wanted, my daughter was, I think seven and she wanted to prescribe pain pills, Mm. pain medication for her, for her growing pains, something stronger than Advil and Tylenol. And that feels young to take a pain, some kind of pain medication, in my opinion. And I told her, I think I'm just going to give her Arnica because I have that Mm -hmm. already. And I I really like homeopathic medicine. She's like, Arnica, I've heard of that, but you know, it's just a placebo, right? Mm -hmm. And she acted like you said, like she had insecurity or she was even offended that I, that I brought it up. And I said, yeah, I, I just don't fully agree with giving her pain medication at her age or, or maybe ever for this, maybe this is something she's going to outgrow and I'll keep giving her, her the Arnica. She's like, well, I guess if you like your kid just taking sugar pellets, Mm. I said, okay, Mm -hmm. I I really appreciate your feedback. (laughs) All right. 
Yeah. (laughs) The irony is though, like with homeopathy, like it's been some of the most helpful, like support that I've ever been on, like with different, um, because so much of our physical symptoms come from like emotions or like energetic imbalances, spiritual imbalances. Like, I don't know if you believe in past lives, but I've literally had physical symptoms flare up so bad and then have energy healing. And it was a past life and then heal that. And then it goes away. Like our bodies are so, yeah, our bodies are so brilliant. And to me, that's the only time I get physical symptoms anymore is like, if I'm processing, you know, emotions for the collective or other people, or it's a past life thing. And then I know, like I have certain homeopathic remedies that are such high potency and the higher the potency, the more energetic and spiritual and emotional that remedy is. And it helps, right. As well as my self-care routine, but I just, you know, the more you believe in it, the more it works. And we're so lucky that we have these remedies that will help at the root address whatever's going on, whether it is physical, emotional, energetic. Um, but again, I feel like there's so much ego in these hierarchies and these patriarchal systems that I believe are breaking. Um, that's part of this awakening is these systems breaking because the foundation isn't, you know, in alignment for where we're going, but it's like, we're conditioned from a child, like doctor is God. You go and see the doctor, the doctor knows everything. They're going to tell you what to do. They have all the power. And I think the conditioning we received in school, innocently from our family, from the television, from the media that conditioned us like this left us so disempowered. Unless we had parents who were very proactive and could teach us how to, you know, properly nourish and vitamins and take care of ourselves. And so when you go to a doctor, who's got a big ego and you try to share with them that you're being proactive with your health and that you're doing these different things and they get defensive, it's literally because we are striking a chord with their insecurities and their egos, and they don't have control over us. It's about us claiming our power back. Right. And that's always when I say, like, if I have a client and their doctor won't do the blood work and and won't like advocate for them. I'm like, you got to find a different doctor. Like there's got to be somebody better. Like if you can't even get information about what's going on in your body, like find somebody who's not going to treat you like a number, you know? Yes. I've had doctors that did blood work for me, but they didn't expect me to get on some kind of medication after that. That that's, I feel like for your client would be great to have someone like that, like to be able to say, these are the the areas that you're deficient in, because also, even if they hand the blood work back to you, a lot of times it can be confusing to understand what all these numbers mean or what's not in balance, what is in balance. And then to get them to sit down with you and actually talk to you about it, they might be in a rush because I've had the other, I've had that experience as well. And like when I was pregnant, I really wanted to know more about my blood work. So I would know what vitamins to take. Mm. And if I was low in iron or uh, vitamin K, I think I was taking through kelp or different things. And at first the OBGYN, I I was seeing an OBGYN or OBGYN and she spent like maybe three minutes with me telling me about my blood work. And I was still asking her questions when her back was to me, when she was walking out of the room. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized, wow, she really doesn't necessarily have my back. Like I can't even talk to her about 
this this is supposed to be mm -hmm. an hour and an hour appointment and this ended up being like five minutes mm -hmm. and she's like here I printed it out for you and kind of thrust it shoved it in my hand and like you figure it out and after that experience i another experience I had with her was that I had handed her a birth plan that I had typed out and she's like this is this is never going to happen in a hospital mm. this is not something that's possible I can't guarantee you any of this this is nice like I she made it seem like I was dancing trying to dance on clouds or dreaming mm -hmm. <laughs> about something that was not possible and that's when I I started researching doulas and midwives and trying to figure out what if one of those kind of professions or experts were a good fit for me and I found an amazing midwife and I could ask her and she also but she was also a nurse practitioner and she was able to do blood work for me as well nice. and she had also a lot of knowledge about homeopathic medicine herbal medicine and vitamins and was able to say even things like this is how you strengthen your placenta before you give birth, or this is how you prevent a short-term pregnancy. And uh, there's all kinds of areas that she knew about. And our appointments were often two hours long and I'd be mm -hmm. able to ask her anything or my anxiety was kind of high, of course, with being a new mom. And it was a beautiful, it ended up being a beautiful experience. And she was giving me all kinds of homeopathic medicines as I was going through labor. And I'm glad that I trusted myself. I was told by a lot of people for wanting to have a home birth that like we were talking about before, that that's crazy and too risky. And it all, it all worked out and I felt safe and secure mm -hmm. and really taking care of that someone would be able to be there to answer my questions for me in one of the most important times of my life. Mm -hmm. And I want to move on to the next question too. We probably have time for for one or two more questions. Mm -hmm. There's so much. I feel like we need to do a part two. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> I just there's so many commonalities and and uh like parallels with mm -hmm. I I respect I just want to say too before the next question like I respect so much what you do with your clients and I think it's an integral part of having a sustainable healthy business is that our health needs to be put first because our health is our wealth ultimately mm -hmm. agreed I say I really believe in that statement and I want to dive into the next one but what is your childhood story that reflects really why you do what you do? Mm, that's a great <laughs> question. And it's, that was everything. So there was a couple of like really pivotal things for me that I experienced as a child that just like crafted kind of the next 20 years for me. So when I was about five, my first day on the school bus, we just moved out to the country and I was just so excited to like make new friends and get on the bus. And so I did. And I hop on the bus and the first thing that happens is the older boys start yelling that I was ugly and fat. And then the whole bus is just like laughing at me, making fun of me. And it just crushed my soul. And I just thought, well, if, if they think that it must be true, cause they're strangers and they don't know me. So I really took on that identity and became very shy. Um, 
and just felt like I was always going to be the kid that was like a little bit bigger and like wasn't going to like get attention from boys and my friends were thinner. And um, so that really like made me very insecure and critical of my body. I started dieting around 10, right? Like reading the, the teen magazines. Wow. And, at 10. Wow. Yeah. Reading the teen magazines and, and then you start watching TV and you, you start getting into Hollywood and but celebrities and music. Mm-hmm. And like, you see all these perfect bodies and you're going, how am I ever going to look like that? Okay. Well, okay, well, if I follow, it says, if I follow this diet, I'll have this body of this celebrity or I'll look like this person. But what they're not telling you is that everything's photoshopped and CGI'd and edited and we're sold an illusion and a lie. We're not taught any of that, but they know how to disempower little girls at a young age, because the more insecure you are, the easier you are to control and manipulate. And the more controlled and manipulated are, the more you spend money on products you don't need. You buy from these big companies that don't care about you and you're you're heavily influenced in a negative way and you don't have access to discernment and intuition. But when you learn how to take your power back and you have access to your intuition, you have discernment and you can sniff out deceit and a lie. And then you stop supporting these big companies and they don't want that, right? Women are so powerful when we access our intuition and we can't be manipulated when we have intuition. So they figure out how to suppress us, lower our frequencies so that we feel so ungrounded and so disconnected from our bodies. And so that's really what evolved from a young age for me was that experience and dieting and then unconsciously emotionally eating and growing up with my mom who was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And so to compensate for a lot of the activities we couldn't do together because she'd get tired or dizzy or like couldn't Mm -hmm. walk very far, everything included food because after I overcame my food addiction, I really discovered she still to this day has a food addiction. And there's like five generations in our lineage that struggled with hoarding and lack mentalities and mm-hmm. food addiction. And I was now coming in to break this, this line. And so all of that to me shaped the growing up shaped the unhealthy relationship I had with food in my body that then really blew up in my face at 2021 20, when I heavily restricted, lost the weight, got the goal body was completely miserable. And then the binge eating blew up in my face. And that's really everything that shaped it to that point. And the beauty of it all is, is again, now being about 11, 12 years, like past that blow up, um, and being very awake now is being able to spot the Photoshopping, seeing the, the digitally altered stuff. Like when you look at a photo of one of these people and their leg, one leg is like, half of it's like sliced off. And you're like, that just is so fake. You know, like now I see it, I can see the illusion. The veil has been lifted before me about everything. Like I'm sure we can have a whole other conversation about a lot of other things. You probably picking up what I'm putting down, (laughs) but it's just like, it holds no power Mm -hmm. over me anymore. And I see Mm -hmm. it and I get now why 90% of the female population has been so deceived and so, um, projected on. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do, because I want to help empower their women, help wake them up, help assist them to take their power back um, because we don't deserve to be targeted and then told, well, you're not good enough because you don't look a certain way. Right. Or you need to act a certain way. It's 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 about us really like going so deep into our intuition and accessing our unique gifts and healing because it's our bodies are miraculous. They're always trying to heal. They are. And are two things that I really wanted to point out about what you said was 
not judging not judging ourselves for expressing coming from a place of like you said the intuition and discernment there's there's a lot of self-judgment also I feel like Mm -hmm. with with my clients and women in general I work with only women too and if we're judging ourselves first and before we even say something or express it and then the other person judges us, we think we must be wrong. That yeah. that must not have been the right thing when it when it was. And we need to continue to strengthen the muscle of expression or self-expression and self-confidence and start to increase that. And then the other part that I wanted to touch on, the veil being lifted, there's a lot to layers to dive deeper into that. And I would love to have a part two where we dive deeper into cycle syncing too. And yeah the veil being lifted on weight management and different kind of strategies that we can do with our hormones to mm-hmm. naturally manage our weight or our stress, our sleep, all, all of those, I'm sure play into yeah. it. But something that is, well, was raising a daughter to, and myself that I'm consistent, consistently reflecting this back to her, this kind of self-confidence is it can be easy to get caught up in if I'm not quote unquote, what does skinny, skinny mean? If I'm not skinny, I'm not as valuable. Mm-hmm. People are not going to take me seriously. People are going to think certain things. These are things that I that have been taught to me too by my mom and generations before her have taught her mm-hmm. of the women and the lineage like you were talking about of if I don't take control of my weight or work out all the time and I'm not a certain certain um, frame or, or weight or carrying a certain amount of weight, wearing a certain size, then I'm not, I've just deemed as not as valuable <clears throat> to society yeah. As, yeah. as another woman who is able to keep her arms skinny or her legs from cellulite. Like she must just have that kind of dedication or value or just just have it have have something that then this other person or this other woman doesn't have and we're so conditioned I even if I even think something like that I don't believe I fundamentally don't believe in that philosophy or subscribe to it yeah but still past generations Sometimes those ideas even come up in my head when I see someone that um, is a little heavier and I, I, I even still have some ideas of, oh, well, why, why don't they take their health seriously? And I'm like, why am I thinking that? Where is that even coming from? That is not me that's thinking that. That is tons of things that I was told as a child and mm-hmm. I let that go. I'm like, they're beautiful. They're amazing all sizes and shapes are amazing and also if I'm not accepting this other person there's probably some part of myself that I'm not accepting too yeah and I have to first start with that self-acceptance and I know even recently my mom made a comment that she had seen one of my cousins that she hadn't seen in a while and he's around my age or he's a few years older than me and he, at some point he had gained some weight, not, not a lot of weight. He's six, five or six, six. So his weight gets distributed 
fairly easily. And he, it doesn't look like he has a weight, that much weight because he's so tall. But she noticed his weight gain and she said, oh, he's been working out. He just looks so good. He just looks so great. And even that comment can indicate that he didn't look good mm-hmm. before. Like now he looks good because he lost weight, but he didn't look good before. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you, what do you think about that? Oh, totally. And it's, we have been conditioned to be so judgmental because the ego in us has been so fueled again by all the conditioning and everything we're taught in school and how people behave movies. Like to me, movies have played such a negative and detrimental role in our mental health, because I even just think of a few key memories of watching movies growing up, like probably one of the worst propagated movies is mean girls because Mm -hmm. it's like the clicks. And then they're like, Oh yeah. Like we only carry one sizes one, three, and five. So unless you fit into size one, three, and five, like go somewhere else. And, and the ego and the, the arrogance that the, the person who said that in that one clip. Right. And then you think, Oh my God, I don't fit in. I don't fit in sizes one, three and five. Like what's wrong with me. And then the next scene where they're like in the lunchroom and they're like, Oh, and the prep sit here and the nerds sit here and they're like segregating and dividing everybody. And it's so unconscious, but all of this subliminal messaging is getting planted into our brain. And then I'm going like, well, I guess in order to be popular and to be like, like I need to act like this and I need to hang out with this crowd in school, even though I don't really like these people and the conditioning it's like for people who think that that media has no influence on your mindset and your behavior and who you are as a person, you really got to take a step back and think about it because there's like even Disney movies, I used to think like, okay, I'm going to grow up and like find my Prince Charming, which I have. And he's just going to like make my life. And it's like, no, it's, he's great, but it's not his responsibility to fix me and make me happy. That's my responsibility. But that to me is such a false construct that Disney movies taught us growing up as children that were these damsels in distress and were these broken women. And you know what I mean? Like just so much of that. And so I think it's so important for us to use discernment and be aware of what what we've taken on from media and, and, and content that we've consumed that's made us judgmental and critical and insecure and feeling like we need to behave or like look a certain way. And we've got to crush that because we are such powerful human beings and to give our power away to a script or, or again, part of this illusion, I just think it's so important that we detach from it and create our own identity and become our own person because we're the one here living our life we're not living through a movie screen. We're literally living the life and going through the experiences that we came here to go through. So do your deeper work, take your power back, fill your void, build your confidence in your self-love because it will change every area of your life, including your business, the amount of money you're making, the kind of clients you're attracting, and you just, your quality of life significantly improves because you're detached and now you're in power versus continuing to give it away and, and, you know, being manipulated and being controlled I'm feeling really bad probably oh gosh like just feeling horrible every day and looking in the mirror and being like who am I I don't even like this person and or lack of energy lack of sex drive there's there's a lot of there's a lot of consequences to staying in in that path yeah people people don't aren't aren't as aware of and it's true Something beautiful about the next generation. I think we're both millennials. I'm also a millennial. Are you a millennial, right? Are you a millennial? Uh, I'm 34. I don't know where that fits I, in. I maybe? think I think it is. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think it's till like 41 or 42. Okay. I think the millennials right now, if you're watching this <laughs> in 2021 and my daughter is Gen Z. And then the next one is Gen Alpha. It's starting mm -hmm. over again. And I feel like with Gen Z, they're wearing looser pants. Like the new style is baggy because they want to be comfortable. And I actually, with my daughter's encouragement, bought, she's like anti-skinny jeans. She's like, you and your millennials with your skinny <laughs> jeans, you just got to throw those out. <laughs> so for the first time in a lot, since like the 1990s, baggy jeans were kind of in style too. But these are like a little more high rise baggies. So slightly different than like, they're not low rise. And I got a few sizes bigger. And so they would fit me baggy. And they're so comfortable, the best jeans I've ever owned. And it still feels really vulnerable mm -hmm. to put them on. And yep. to her, to her, it doesn't because I don't think it's well, that's not how she's been raised, first of all. Right. But it's I hope that this next generation is shattering some of those ideals. And I want to be comfortable. I want to feel unrestricted with my clothing and how I move. And therefore, mm -hmm. they need to be a little bit looser fitting. Yeah. And I'm not going to judge myself based on the size because they're looser fitting or, or they actually fit me because yeah. I can move. And that, that was a big, it's still big for me when I put them on, because that's the biggest size I've ever bought in, in my life to make sure that they, that they're comfortable. <laughs> yeah. Comfort is more important than a number. Yes. Is there, so how can people find you, Amber? Um, yeah. Yeah. So if anyone wants to connect and learn more about me and my business or how I can support you, you can go to amberproof.ca, have a free emotional eating quiz. If you're curious, if you're struggling and you want to kind of get a few more answers, um, you can also contact me from there if you want to have a further discussion. And I do a 30 minute body freedom call. It's a hundred us dollars, but if you're wanting to connect and explore one-on-one -on -one support and really address the emotional eating, the body image, the mindset, the hormones, the, the gut health stuff, um, you're welcome to do so. And then I have a podcast called the no sugar coding podcast, where I talk more in depth about all of this. And I'm on Instagram. My handle is my name, Amber Romaniuk, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Nice. I would love to be on yours too. Mm -hmm. a, a spot. <laughs> Yeah, maybe sometime next year because I am I literally only do one guest interview every six weeks. So I am oh but perfect. Yeah. You're like, yeah, you have you have a lot already booked out probably. And thank you so much, Amber, for being here. And we'll talk to you really soon. Mm -hmm.